Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex Barrett, and I'm the, the lead pastor here. And we are on week two of Here is the Church. And so we are the church talking about the church. And I hope that this series will give you a sense of what the church is and how you can be involved no matter where you are. You may be new to Ridgeview, checking us out online. You may have been part of Ridgeview since we started two years ago. But I hope this will give you a sense of how God has designed the church and then also, again, how you can be involved at your own pace. I grew up in the church. Uh, some of you may have as well. Some of you may be new to the church. But my first memory of the church was learning this rhyme about what the church is. Let's watch that together. Here is the church, and here is the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. Close the doors and listen to them pray. Open the doors and they all walk away. Now, I don't know if any of you remember that, if you grew up in the church, but that's kind of a simple picture of, of what the church is and how people come together in the building and you got the steeple and they come together and pray. And certainly uh, people gather in a building to pray and that's part of what people of the church do. But in this rhyme that, you know, the doors open and then the, the people leave and it kind of seems like then the church is closed or it's, it's over. But what you find in scripture is something that's actually much more layered and detailed than just that simple picture. But oftentimes, those memories that we have early on stay with us and we can kind of begin to think or remember that this is what the church is. So today I wanna to dig in and ask the question, why bother? Why bother with the church? And to answer that question, I wanna look at the different facets and the different components and the different pieces of what the Bible says the church is. So today, it's more about the nature of the church than it is the mission. Because I want you to understand the nature so you can see this, this complete picture. Because what you find in scripture is this, is that the church is like a beautiful, multifaceted jewel. Now you'll see a picture here of an, an emerald ring and you can see the edges and the facets of that, that jewel. And, and that's actually like the nature of the church. It's very difficult to just describe the church in one simple picture. There's a lot of pieces. There's a lot of function. There's a lot of the nature that makes up what the church does. Last week, as we kicked off the series, I spoke a lot out of the book of Ephesians, which describes so much of the nature of the church. But there's something about what the church is supposed to do, and that is that we are supposed to, what Ephesians says is, show the manifold wisdom of God. Now, the manifold in the original language, the Greek that it was written in, means multifaceted. So the church is supposed to show the multifaceted nature of God, and it does that in the various natures and the various forms that makes up the church. And so today, I want you to kind of dig into the scriptures with me to look at these are the different components of the church. But before I do that, I just want to describe and share from my own experience uh, growing up in the church, seeing my family really model what it means to follow Jesus, to band together with other Christians, I want to just share some personal benefits that, that I have experienced. Now, what I'd like you to do, if you're watching with us at 10 a.m., I want you to, on the chat, just you know say, I agree, or do a thumbs up, or however you want to just agree. If, if you're old school, you could say amen, which means I agree. But I just want to describe my own benefits and see if if these resonate with you. More importantly, see if, if you've experienced any of these benefits since being a part of Ridgeview Church. Here's some of the benefits that I myself have experienced being a part of the church. 
The first is, in my own life, as I've been a part of the church, God has become real. Something that I've been able to see because of the lives of people, things that I'm learning in my own life, and then I see the examples of others, there's something about God which has become real. Because the church has been the place where I've really been with a group of people able to meet God, see Him at work. And so He's become real to me through the church. That's one of the benefits. Another benefit that I've experienced is that I have throughout my life through the church had solid examples of people further along than me, more mature than me, that have really showed what it means to live wisely, how to make wise decisions, how to treat people in a right way. And that has had a profound impact on my life. Also being a part of church, I've had solid instruction on biblical truth. I've learned moral law based on God's commands, his principles. I've been able to build my life on his word because of the teaching of the church and people that have come and explained God's word to me. That's a huge benefit. Through the church, I've also, over the years, and even since we've launched Ridgeview, I've been able to experience the benefits of enjoyable relationships. People that encourage me and I can encourage them. People who love me and I can love them. People who serve me and my family and I can serve and love them and their families as well. Those are huge benefits, enjoyable relationships. Being young and growing up in the church, another benefit I had was that I had these like spiritual aunts and uncles and grandparents who were not my biological family, but really looked out for me. Sometimes even if I was maybe doing something that they knew wasn't going to please God, they would, they would correct me. So I had people who loved me, that would tell me the truth, that would challenge me, and they became like this spiritual family, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, grandparents, spiritually, who wanted good for me. Since being a parent and my kids growing up in the church, I found that they have an extended spiritual family as well. They have aunts and uncles. They have people who are cheering them on, and that is a huge benefit as well. So all these things from teaching and instruction and love and serving and examples and wisdom, these are all the benefits of the church. The reason I want to start there is the benefits is actually part of what answers the question, why bother? Well, it's in the church that you can find these benefits that you can't find in the same way anywhere else with any other group. It truly is life-giving because the church is built by God with Jesus as the cornerstone and it makes a difference. So I wanted to share those. And, And again, you may have other benefits that you've experienced. Now you also, and even in myself, may have had some really bad times in church. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've seen what people have done and and it doesn't seem to match up what the Bible says. So this is not about the church being a perfect place. We know it's not perfect. Ridgeview's not perfect. I'm not perfect. None of you are perfect. But we still, because of what God does, we still can make a difference despite our imperfections. And that's what this message is all about. So the goal for today and the next steps is that I want you to take steps towards engaging with Ridgeview Church. You may consider I'm, I'm engaged and there may be some other steps you can take to get just more engaged. You may be a little bit on the outside looking in and I want you to take steps to move towards us. Get involved at your own pace. If you're a part of, of Ridgeview and you're committed, you're a member, you're contributing, then I want you to take a step back and just look and say, wow, 
we are a part of something really special that God is building here in North Fontana, in Rancho, in San Bernardino, and beyond. And so my goal is that you will just see, wow, this is something that I want to continue and keep moving towards to be a part of. So let's dig into what the scriptures say. So what is the church? Well, the church is first the people of God. I want to read a scripture from 1 Peter. And it just, again and again, just gives this layer upon layer upon layer of this people that God is gathering together in the church. Let's read it together. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Wow, what a fascinating and interesting picture. And I just want to break down each of those kind of phrases and highlight those. The first is that we're a chosen race. Again, in the original language in the Greek, it means that it's a relatively large group of persons regarded as being like biologically related. This is that picture of the people of God, uh, really the, the family of God, but, but we're not biologically related. But when you decide to follow Christ, again, you become a part of this chosen race, this like spiritual ethnic group that becomes your, your primary identity, who you are, what you're about. And that's part of being in the chosen race. There's also this royal priesthood that we're described as. This means that there were this royal family where prince and princesses under king, the God, the almighty one. But we're also priests, which means we all have special access to go to God. We don't need a mediator between us and him. We can go directly because we're royal priests when you decide to follow Jesus. We're also a holy nation, there's specific things that, that we want to do. There's specific things that we want to believe. Again, there's this movement, like we're a nation that stands on certain principles. And this is in the spiritual sense, something that's wholly set apart. I'm going to talk about this more next week. And then finally, that there were a people. And the scriptures say that we're a people for his own possession. That means that we belong to God. Again, there's this identity that God is our father. He is our king. And we're a part of this group. We're a part of this nation. We're part of this race. We're a part of this identity under him. And then we're spiritually formed into this family. We once weren't a people, but now we are. Again, we were kind of spiritually orphans, alone, isolated, cut off. But when we decide to follow Jesus, we surrender. We say, God, I want to give you my entire life. When you do that, you now form this family, this people, and a new identity. It's a beautiful picture. Just look at each part of that and see like, wow, God is doing something in the church that you don't find anywhere else. So for each of these descriptions, what is the church? I want to give an implication. So if we are God's people, we're part of this nation, this holy nation, and we're a part of belonging to him, then the implication is that we exist for God. That is the ultimate goal of the church. We exist for God. It's not even about ourselves ultimately. It's for the glory to magnify him and say God has formed us together. And so we represent him and our implication is we exist 
for him. There's a loyalty that we have to God and there's a loyalty that we have to each other in the church that you can't find anywhere else. This spiritual strength and bond that you have because you're formed by God himself. So that's the first one. We are the people of God. The second is we are a colony of heaven. Check out the scripture in Philippians 3. It says this, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, now you're seeing this, this idea of like, you're a part of something that's not even of this world. There's this primary identity. Our citizenship is not in this community, this local city, but ultimately, if you're a follower of Christ, your citizenship, it, it's in heaven. It's connected to eternity. It's connected to forever. And the reason that is, is when you decide to follow Christ, you're transferred from this kingdom of darkness ruled by the enemy, transferred your citizenship now into the kingdom of light, that of the Lord Jesus, who paid the price for our rebellion and our sin. And because of that, we no longer want the citizenship in the darkness. We now can see clearly. There's clarity. And we're a part of something that God is doing. And so what, what's happening in, in forever is God will, will return through Jesus, and he will return and, and all will be made right. Everything will be restored. But in the meantime, through the church and the people that have followed him, there's a, there's a, a taste of the kingdom through us. The attitudes, the actions, the approach to life. There's this colony of people. There's a group of people that people on the outside can look in and say, there's something distinctive there. There's something different about them. Not in a weird sense, although to some we may seem weird. Not in a strange sense, but to some we, we may seem strange or backwards or wrong. But to many, as they're in the darkness, they could see a group of people that have a light that they long for, a colony that represents something that they have not found in this world. That is a really full, really powerful picture. So a colony of heaven means that we actually don't just buy in to our culture without thinking about it. We want to actually ask the question, does this represent the Lord Jesus and his ways? And that becomes really helpful, whether you're young or whether you're old, to begin to evaluate culture, what people tell you, what people say is the good life, as you're watching movies, as you're listening to music, as you're reading books, does this represent the colony of heaven, a citizenship of the kingdom of God, or does this represent worldly ways and approaches? And you have to learn how to distinguish that. And as a church, we want to help you because we are a colony of heaven and we are the people of God. So what's the implication of that? The church, since we're a colony of heaven, we want to operate by heaven's ways. We want to represent that colony. So that means that we want to really treat people in a way that that's right. Towards God, we want to, to do what's right. Towards people, we want to do what's right. Towards our goals, we want to be prudent. We want to have wisdom. We don't want to be hasty. We really want to look in the scriptures and the Bible guide us. Not culture, not our upbringing, not our opinions. But the scriptures will guide us what we do and how we do it. That's the implication. So we're the people of God and then we're a colony of heaven. The Bible goes on. We're also the temple of God. So there's this place in the church where God dwells. Check out the scripture in Ephesians 2. It says, built on the foundation of the apostles. The apostles there, they're the New Testament teachers, the people who formed the early church. 
So built on the foundation, the church, on the apostles and the prophets. Now this is the Old Testament. So the church is built on the work and the, 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 the groups of people that came together in history, both in the Old and the New Testament, the church is built on that. We stand on those people's shoulders. We should be thankful for what they've done. But then notice this, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So the apostles, the New Testament, the prophets, the Old Testament, but more importantly, the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Verse 21, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So according to God's cosmic plan, thing that he's been working out since the beginning of time and into eternity is, is that there's going to be in the church a place where God will dwell. He will be with his people. They will look to him for guidance on how to move forward. And it talks about this, this place of, of sacrifice. And that surely was a note to the Old Testament sacrificial system. If you sin, you had to pay the price for your sin. You would sacrifice an animal. But Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate pure spotless lamb that paid the penalty for our sin. So what are the sacrifices talking about? Well, these are sacrifices of what it means to to follow God and what it means to participate in the church. Sacrifice like worship. I'm going to take my time and energy to be a part of the church. Sacrifices like I'm going to to pray. I'm going to, to give. Even spiritual disciplines are sacrificed. You have to deny yourself and what you want. That is, I'm going to give my, my time and energy to this temple of God. I'm going to give my time, my energy, and my resources to this colony of heaven. I'm going to give all that I have to be a part of this people of God, the church. That's what the scriptures are saying. And so we pray to God. We, we pray for each other. We serve because we're a part of this temple where God works. Now we live in a time, again, culture, when we evaluate where you close off your home, everything is private. You don't really let people in your home anymore. That's what homes do now. But in culture, that's one flow, one stream that takes you in a direction. But the church is the opposite. We open our homes. That's why we encourage home gatherings and people to watch the service together. It's the reminder That church is not just me and my family. The church is the people of God together. This temple where God works and he dwells. And so as a church, we want to open our home to each other because that's where he works. So the implication for that is that we live intentionally for God. Again, we use our time, our energy, and our resources. If this is the temple of God where he works, then we want to be in the middle of that. We don't want to be isolated, disengaged, cut off. We want to pull and know where God's people are, that's where God is. Isn't that so powerful to think about? Where God's people are, that's where God is. There's a sense of where God is there in a special way. So the temple of God, the colony of heaven, and the people of God, those are the first three pictures. There's pictures of that, those facets of this jewel that is the church. Well, let's go on to the fourth one. We're also the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually you are members of it. So this is again a different picture. The body of Christ. God's movement in the world. Christ's changing culture, changing lives. It's representing this body that's moving and the church represents the different parts of the body. The legs, the arms, the feet the fingers, 
all in one in unity working to change the world. As a Christ follower, you're a member of the church and you're a part of this body. You make a difference and you're unique. We're going to talk about that more in this series, how God has made you unique to really make a difference in our church here at Ridgeview. And we love already what we've seen, the uniqueness of spiritual gifts that you get when you decide to follow Christ. You get a special gift that God gives you to bless the church, to build it up. Also, the talents that we see on display at this church. Do you know how many people we have that are just so talented and in their talents can honor God and bless people? We have people who are generous. They give to our church so that we can accomplish this multifaceted explanation of the wisdom of God. God has brought this special group together here in our church. And it is a beautiful picture because it's the body of Christ at work. So the implication of this is that we do Christ's work in unity. Again, a body has to be going in the same direction. You begin to get injured when one part of your leg and another part goes in a different direction. That's when things begin to break. So your body is unified and goes in the same direction. It's the same with the church. As we're unified and each part does its part, each function plays its role in a unique and magnificent way, you move forward and we do the work. So practically, as a church, being the body of Christ, when people move, you may not be moving, but when somebody moves and they they need help, like I have boxes, I have furniture, the body of Christ says, when you move, we move. When you move, we move. That's the body of Christ. I'm going to help. doesn't matter if, how long I've known you. doesn't matter if I've ever been to your house. But when you move, we move. It's the same with all sorts of serving. When you need something, the body of Christ helps. Because again, when God works, he works through the church. And what is the church? Well, it's the people of God. So when God works, the people of God works. And I said this last week. When God works, His people get blisters. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. As you look and you've been serving or you're tired or you look even at your finances, you could see, wow, I've given to the church and I I haven't been able to give to other things, maybe things that I thought we really wanted, but you may have made a choice. That's the body of Christ. There's a sense of which I'm gonna give my resources, my time, my energy, my effort to building and being a part of this body. And then finally, the church is a spiritual army. So we're the body of Christ. We're the temple where God dwells. We're a colony of heaven. And we're the people of God. And then finally, we're formed to be a spiritual army. Check out the scripture in Ephesians 6. For we, the we there's talking about Christ followers, do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, because this is a reality, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Back in verse 12, remember, it starts for we. Not just I, for I, but it's for we, the church. We're standing against the spiritual 
forces of evil. We are an army. And the spiritual forces of evil are led by Satan himself, the prince of darkness, the father of lies. Everything that's good, that belongs to God, that are gifts from him, the enemy wants to destroy. You see strife and conflict and pain and suffering. He's in the center of all of that. And the church is supposed to be a place band together by warriors who stand for what is right, who fight and look out for each other's backs. We're a spiritual army. We need men and we need women and we need sons and we need daughters. We need grandparents, aunts, uncles. Again, we're a family, but we're all warriors who are willing to fight, to push the light of God's kingdom into our world here and now. That is such a powerful picture. But if you don't know that we're a spiritual army, then you don't know that we're in a battle. And if you don't know you're in a battle, then you're not ready to fight. And you can become defeated and discouraged. You can isolate yourself because you can't fight by yourself. You need a band of brothers and sisters shoulder to shoulder fighting. So the implication for this is that we anticipate victories and problems. The enemy wants to make us irrelevant as the church. He wants to isolate us. He wants to cause disunity. He wants gossip to grow, divisions to destroy, fires to burn out the work of God. Here's the good news. Nothing, absolutely nothing can stop the work of God in the church. Because of all the different facets I've described, since we're a temple, nothing can destroy it. We're a temple of God. He's protecting and he's overseeing. Since we're a colony of heaven, nobody can take our citizenship away. Since we're the people of God, we're part of his family, we're part of this body, we belong to him. There's nothing the enemy can do to steal us away. So that implication, there's going to be victories. We're going to see God come through. And then we're going to have problems because the enemy wants to get in and mess things up. But we have victory in Jesus. And because of that, we can stand just like that Ephesians says, to stand firm. And after you have done everything, to stand. And friends, here at Ridgeview Church, we want to stand with you to fight against darkness. We want to stand with you as the body of Christ, the people of God, the colony of heaven, and the temple where God dwells. Isn't this amazing? I don't know if, you, if you've woken up yet or you may be tired and it's easy anytime somebody speaks, you, you know, especially as you're looking on it electronically, it's, it's so easy to zoom out. But I just encourage you, what have we just seen in the scriptures? Isn't this amazing? If you're on the chat, just what does this, your sense, like how does this give you just this, this sense of something? I, just testify, like say yes. This is amazing. I want to be a part of this. It's so easy to just hear and be like, wow, so fascinating. But this is life-giving, guys. This is the greatest movement and the greatest adventure that you and I could ever be a part of. And it really does make a complete difference. So finally, the local church here, Ridgeview Church, we're like this multifaceted jewel, but any church really, is a jewel in the rough. Now, 
Here's an image of another emerald ring, and you can see that's not nearly as shiny as the first picture I showed you. But this is also the reality. Again, we're not perfect people. As I've talked about all these different facets of the wisdom of God that the church is supposed to show, you can look and say, I don't know, is this real? And you can look at your own life and it seems like that's going to be a lot of work. You may be tired. You may be thinking, this is another thing I have to do. And we're imperfect people. We, we mess up. We don't get this right. Sometimes we look selfishly and at our own interests first before the interests of others. And that's normal. But we are still this jewel. And what happens over time is that God begins to work out those rough edges, those things that are tarnished in us. He begins to work those out. He begins to buff those. You know how he does it? He does it in the church. So while we're imperfect and we don't have it all together, it's actually in the church, gathering with the people of God, engaged in this community, that you begin to be transformed. And not only you, but we're transformed as a group. So we're this jewel in the rough that over time, God is going to continue to shine work out those edges, and we'll become something that will display, again, the manifold, multifaceted wisdom of God. So in this group, in this church specifically, we we aim to to love God. We want to honor and please Him. We do this by choosing His priorities according to the Scripture, not the cultures. The Bible is our guide. And God, He's our boss. We're going to do what He says our situations and our circumstances, we want to do what's right. So in Ridgeview, as a group of people, we actually want to show love to each other by what we do and say. What we do and say really matters. We want people to be treated in our church in a way that represents these facets of the church. This is a place where God dwells. How do I know it? Because people here treat me differently. They approach life differently. They love me differently than what I've experienced. That's what we want our church to be about. Uh, We want to operate truthfully as a church. We don't deceive. We live in a time where we really can't trust many people. But in the church, we want to operate truthfully. We want to be open and honest with each other as we relate and as an organization. Uh, We want to be kind. If you're a part of Ridgeview Church and you're checking us out, I want to let you know that, that we actually want to love you in a real way. We want to be kind to you and we want to serve you. Now, again, that can seem like, whoa, it's a little too much. I'm not ready for that. And so again, you engage at your own pace. But if you come around and you're a part of things, we do want to love you. Why? Because we're commanded to. Because we're the people of God. We're a colony of heaven. Our citizenship belongs to him. We're part of the body of Christ. We want to join together to make a difference. We want to sacrifice for each other to do good. That means that as people have needs, oftentimes you have to leave your home to help people. But that's what makes a difference. Sacrifice. That's what love is. That's what makes a difference. That's the kind of church we want to be. Uh, We want to show the right kind of compassion to each other. When when you mourn, we want to mourn with you as a church. When you rejoice, we want to rejoice with you as a church. This is what we're about. All of these have these implications, and they're supposed to translate not into ideas, but into action. And so in closing, I want to encourage you, you can't experience these multifaceted wisdom of God unless you pull in. You have to take a risk. 
But I want to encourage you and promise you, as you take the risk to get involved and to pull in, it will change your life. As you hang in there and allow God to grow you and to be a part of this group of people and have this loyalty that this is a group I want to belong to, you will experience these and more. God will change your life through the church. It's not because we're special, but it's because of all these different nature of the church and its design. Because again, people are watching and we're this beacon of hope. So God is going to do something because he knows the church is where my mission was given. I want to transform it through my followers. And God will make a difference. So in closing, here's your next steps. Again, take a next step. You may want to, even just before I get into the specifics, you may want to just take a look at all these descriptions. Again, print out that listening guide. You could look at this later this week. These scriptures are, are powerful. The nature of the church, it's unique. There's nothing that compares to the church. I'm giving my life to this. Well, of course, Alex, you're, you're the pastor. But even before I was a pastor, I decided that I was going to build my life around the church. I was not going to build my life around a career. I was not going to build my life around a school district, around an opportunity, around my family. Well, I love those things. I love my family, but we don't live near family. Why? Because we decided to build our life around the church. And if you build your life around the church, again, your life will be transformed. So here's some next steps that you can take. First, attend worship at the park on August 23rd. Next Sunday, we've shifted the, the title from Ridgeview at the Park to Worship at the Park. The reason is, is right now, because we're not gathering every week, we really do want to, when we get together, we want to worship God. We want to sing praises for the work that He is doing in our church and who He is. And so I encourage you, come to worship at the park. Worship God with us. Meet people that you may not have seen in a while or maybe meet people that, that you've never met. But that's a practical step. Just decide right now, next Sunday, 6.30, I'm going to go to worship at the park. Second next step, sign up for the Exploring Ridgeview preview class. If you want to learn more about who we are as a church, we have a set of classes called Exploring Ridgeview. And that's to give you a sense of, again, who are we and then how can I get involved? And that's a commitment that you can make. Again, we grow out of our commitments when we put it on the calendar and say, I will do that. So I encourage you to sign up. Third, Make an investment in Ridgeview this week. Make an investment in our church. Here's some ideas. You, you can initiate with someone. Just text them, call them, visit them, get together. Initiate. That's how you make an investment in the body and the people of God. Give to Ridgeview. You make an investment where you put your money. In fact, the scriptures say where your heart is, you know, that's your money. It's all kind of mixed in together. You want to see what's really important? It's what you spend your money on. So if you begin to make that shift to the church, I want this to be important, then you can give to it. That's how it practically helps you. As I give to something, it becomes a little bit more important to me. So you may want to give. Uh, you may just want to pray for our church. I encourage you to pray for our church. But those are ways that you can make an investment through initiating, through giving, through prayer. And so on the connection card, if you've not yet filled that out, go ahead and click on that tab. Fill that out. Let us know how we can pray for you. We'd love to do that. Let us know how we can serve you. And let us know your next step. Let's pray together. 
Father, thank you so much for the scriptures which give us this complete picture of what the church is and how you work in us. Thank you, God, for Ridgeview Church. Thank you, God, for all the people that you have brought in their uniqueness. There is something special that you are doing in our church. And I am overwhelmed by you and your graciousness to us. God, I pray that you will help us to engage in your church this week. Help us to make an investment in your church this week. God, show us the barriers, the hindrances, or the obstacles that we have. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.